What's up? Welcome to Sweathead with Mark Pollard. I have Kathy Hang, an art director, designer, Silver Smith, a creative consultant and entrepreneur over in England. Kathy's had an amazing career that's taken her to companies such as CDV, AMV, DMBNB. She's won awards at DNAD, Can, the British Arrows. She was in Campaign's Top 100 Hall of Fame. Kathy, what haven't you done? You've done it all. <laughs> but welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. We are going to talk about art direction today. I'm super excited about this. And I have to tell you that my, my nervousness and my bias, having worked with some amazing art directors a long time ago, and at a time where I kind of respected what they did, but also didn't quite understand it, to now being in a time where in many agencies, there's been this rush to social media calendars and stock photos and hashtags on stock photos. And we need 50 photos for $20 each just so that we can tweet. I'm nervous that art direction is you know, going to disappear a little bit. So I want to talk to you about that today. But I also want to set the stage for people who are listening who don't even know what art direction is and maybe who have to pretend that they know. Kathy, what is art direction? <laughs> okay, that's a very, very good question. Because I think art direction started... During Birnbeck's time, actually, when he was the one that actually created a way of copywriters and art directors working together for the first time. Because normally, when, when it started, it used to be bank of designers on a floor, copywriters on a different floor. That's how advertising used to work mm. before that. And so the copywriters send the line down to the um, sort of the creative department at the time, you know, the designers. And then they would just give it to whoever happens to be free to do the work hmm. until he came along and said, no, I'm going to put them together. So I think maybe that was the start of it. The first time when, when art directors and writers sort of joined forces and mm -hmm. actually worked together to try and pull some together as better than they've ever done, you know, mm -hmm. sort of the two brains together. And I, Helmut Crone was then with Bill Burnback at the time. He was amazing. He really broke all the rules and tried to create, something with a, you know, because he said mostly it's A4 pages. Oh, we call it A4 here, but it's your, mm. it's your one page ad. And he did everything he could to break the rules to make sure that it was nothing that anybody's ever seen visually. Because after all, you know, the visual is what, what we call showstopper. Hopefully that will pull you in. And then when you, pull, when you get pulled in, because when you're turning the pages whether it's in uh, sort of newspapers, magazines, whatever, when you turn over a page, you have to be stopped because nobody really wants to look in an ad. You know, they're more interested in an article, you know, because that, that's what they're looking for. But then you've got to be a showstopper before they actually stop there and say, right, oh, my God, what's that? Mm. And then read the line. Okay. You know, and, and of and course, the two goes hand in hand, but that's how it works. Okay. And then to talk about art direction, I think, is to distinguish art direction from design. Mm -hmm. Could you help us pull those things apart too? Okay. Having said that, I think the... What's that? Cassandra. Do you remember posters that were done of Normandy posters? They were the really beautiful graphic designs and of um, Dubonnet. Do you know the famous ones? Oh, it was done. All right. Let's call it 100 years ago. I don't know. Whatever. A long, long time ago. Mm, I think so. Um, and um, they were real showstoppers. Now, he was a designer. I think, firstly, people came from a design background mm -hmm. to start with. And then they were able to sort of make sure that the page really punched out and, and, and did that. So a lot of people were actually designers. 
Now, when you talk today, when you say a lot of teams today, I think art directors write a team, you both get into sort of ideas and, and kind of a collaboration like that. Funny enough, I don't think it's as powerful anymore because people who are art directors really, really knew their craft. They, they look for the best photographer inspired by sort of unusual inspirations will come from different places. And you sort of try to do your best to try and make sure that whatever you were communicating stood out. So from a design point of view, I guess it's, you know, like packaging. I'd say that's more into design now, whereas yeah. advertising is about communication. So that picture has to say everything. Yeah. And so I'm trying to talk to people who might actually be doing social media work and maybe have never worked with an art director. But I think there are three ideas that come to mind just so that we can get more specific about what art direction is. There's design, which is, you know, typically these days using some kind of computer to organize things on a screen, right? Mm -hmm. Above that, which is not to say hierarchically, well, before that, there's look and feel. So mood boards, what kind of photo references do we like? What design references do we like? And then before, okay, or above that is conceptual thinking. Mm. And I think what I get nervous about is art direction could be any of those things or maybe just one of those things for many people when it's actually not art direction. I'm sure there are designers who call themselves art directors, but they're not. And maybe they trade in look and feel, but they're not conceptual thinkers per se in the way that I would understand some of the greats of art direction. So can you talk to me about like visual ideas? What does an idea of an art director look like? Well, first of all, I think you've got to understand for people who want to come into this business, right? I think you've got to understand what your strengths are. And I think as an art director, first of all, I suppose the basic needs are you've got to be able to visualize. To be able to visualize, you've got to be able to draw. And I know nowadays people pick stuff up from, you know, kind of, you know, you go on the internet, you trawl around, you find something there. But actually the basic training is that, you know, try and get, put something on paper, draw something on paper. It, 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 to get to an idea, then you really can see whether it works or not and do tons of different different sketches and headline with your image to make sure before you start to go into what style should it be or what, you know, it's just, does the idea work? Mm -hmm. Whatever you're communicating, it's very, very important that, that that piece of communication needs to say something to somebody because you need a reaction from that person. So I think Really, that's where you, you start off. I know it sounds like you should just plumb into sort of visuals or anything like that. I mean, I suppose your training has got to be there. I don't know whether people go, are you saying that they don't get, they haven't been through a training or they just come straight into digital stuff? Oh, well, first of all, I'm saying that both strategy and creative roles have probably never been in as many places and in as many companies as now. Oh, right. And with that, there's also a lot of competition for important titles. And also there are people who might be actually called a creative director or an executive creative director who perhaps were a designer, but who might not actually be conceptually mm. literate or powerful, which is not to demean people in those situations. But maybe they're not aware of it and maybe other people are expecting certain work. At the same time, that we've just been through this decade of social media, algorithms, cheapness, and the ability just to find a hundred stock photos. And art direction is like a look and feel. We're going to get like a slice of life, happy faces kind of thing. And that's our art direction. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, I worked at Leo Burnett in Sydney, 
uh, Trouble DDB, McCann in Sydney, and there were people who were, they were basically artists and who would draw, they would write scamps as part of a concepting process. And th- they had visual ideas that someone else might illustrate, that someone else might take photos for, that someone else might design. And p- perhaps what's going on with uh, you trying to understand what I'm asking about is that in London, there's so much more of a center of gravity around this sort of stuff. I know it's shifted and it's easy to romanticize England and London, but outside, you know, you've got people doing marketing roles who maybe 10 years into a career who might never have actually worked with an art director. Yeah, I I know what you mean. So, so yeah, they're so far from it. And yeah, yeah, um, there's all these stock photos, 10 bucks. I know, I know, because since digital came up, a lot of people in digital did, does tend to come from design background rather than communications background. So I, I notice now, nowadays, people are pulling a lot of creative people from advertising over, which then helps to kick off with, first of all, if you haven't got a good idea, it doesn't matter what you put on that page. That's why you get too many smiley faces. They become really cliches. Mm-hmm. And we really got to move away from cliches. Otherwise, how do you expect something to stand out from the kind of the noise that's out there? Mm-hmm. People don't want to look in an ad. I, I, I say to young people that come into this industry, I say, look, hang on a minute. Let me just explain something to you. Go and stand in a supermarket. Just watch how people shop, how people look at a product. What do they pick up? You know, how do they see all that? Now, nowadays, with so much social media, I just think what happens is, the tensions are there that people want to know, oh, yeah, you, you have a social purpose or you come from a, a, you know, there is a core purpose to this brand and all that. But they want your story shortened in such a way that it all has to turn up in this one packaging and it has to tell them everything. Mm. So when you say art direction, it goes into so many areas. You know, yes, it goes into design as well. You still need, you still need art direction and thinking and comms. Basically, it's communication. What message do you want to come across first? And that has to be the crux of it. You know, it has to come from strategy. So that strategy has to be worked out beforehand before you get to know what you need to do. So in a second, I want to ask you to think about and talk me through some of your favorite work, you know, so you could think through the DNAD and the CAN and the British Arrows Awards that you've won. I'll let your brain tick over that and try to find at least one or two examples. But I want to ask you, a different question along the way. And that is, you mentioned that art direction is about communications. Is that also to say that art is communication? I think everything is. If you put it out there, it is a way of communicating. You might not like it, but it's still saying something to you. I think visual, I mean, today people call it semiotics. It's always been semiotics. It's been nothing else but semiotics, you know? It's signs and signals. It's telling. It's asking you to look at me, and if you're not looking, then it, it doesn't really matter. But if you are looking at something, you're trying to figure out what is it trying to say to me. I think that has never changed. Mm. Then can can you tell me what you think the word art means to you? What is art? Art is an expression, expression of somebody's feelings about what they want to get across on a piece of paper. So, so it's no different to an art director trying to do that, except you're trying to express something that the client wants you to put down. Whereas art is me. It's about me and what I want to get across. And some people come across and, and they actually have ideas. Those are the ones that appeal to me more. And there are people who do it and they're just abstract stuff. So it's, it's very personal. 
you know, so you, you, you've got to feel that, um, yeah, that's, I can see that, I can read that. And sometimes you, you can't see what it is, but I like it. I like the color. I like the, you know, I like the, the kind of the boldness of that piece of art. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it says something. It's telling a story. How do you know there's an idea in a piece of art? And also, how do you know there's an idea in someone's art direction? An idea, okay. Well, I mean, because there's a message coming through. Like, for instance, I, I will say, I'll, I'll tell you now, one of my examples of something I've done, which you know, I'm very proud of, which is for BMW, and it says, uh, shaken, not stirred. And on one side of the page, it shows an engine, right? Um, and it's a four-liter rival engine that revs at 2,500. On the other side is the BMW engine that revs at 2,500, but it's only a two-liter, two-cylinder, two-liter engine. Mm-hmm. And it just says, shaken on the left side, because you can see the, the martini glass, shaken, it's all bubbling at the top. And the martini glass on the right is very still. And it just just demonstrates the kind of, one, you can tell you're going to get a smooth ride. The other one is slightly noisier. And it's, that's why it's bubbling. So that, for me, says it all in one picture. So you can see there's a kind of a comparison, but it's done in a really classy way. It's shot beautifully, and it's giving a message straight away. And at the same time, it's a very powerful image because you're, you're borrowing from James Bond, you know, shaken, not stirred, taking the uh, martini glass as a way of jogging people's memory and mm. saying, ah, oh, I see, I get it. And it's quite instant. So the idea should come across really quickly. If it doesn't, I think you lose the reader or you lose the person that's looking at it. You just think, nah, no, I've seen that one before. Or no, it's boring or whatever. They'll they'll immediately, very quickly, in a nanosecond, make up their mind very quickly whether something works or not. or Or is the message selling them something? And if it is, oh, I buy into that or I don't buy into it. And did that example start as a drawing? Yeah, always starts. I mean, oh God, in those days, we, before the days of computer, we used to always sketch our ideas. And, well, you know, you'll have loads of ideas. Honestly, they're called tear sheets. So, so in your, your kind of A3, you know, layout pad, you drink tons of different ideas and different layouts. And it's all done by hand because it's not about the art direction to start with. It's what's the idea first? Mm. Mm-hmm. Then you hone into, okay, there's an idea in this, and actually this is quite powerful. Now, how can we express it in the best possible way? Who should, who should we use to, to shoot this picture? You know, you try to use the best people you possibly get hold of that's right for that image. Mm-hmm. And you try to make it as original as possible because you've got to keep constantly looking at what other, your competitors are doing. You don't want to be the same. You've got to be different. And I mean, one of the... Um, where I was working was a company called WCRS when I did this ad and Ron Collins, the art director there, that one of the founder partners there, his thing was, Jesus, if people stand away about four feet away from that ad that you're holding, if they don't recognize it, you failed. So really it has to be distinct. It has to be very, very definitely BMW, right? So there's a campaign field because people in those days just really, really believe that it takes three to five years to get into somebody's psyche or their, ah, now get what this brand's all about. It takes so long to do it. Mm. Not like today. Everything gets turned around so fast because they're changing lines constantly. 
Sometimes they go back to the same line. So it sounds very confusing for the consumers. Nobody, nobody's waiting for this. Nobody's actually um, waiting to, for your logo, for your ad, for your whatever. So unless you, you have to keep repeating something until finally it gets into the language or it gets into the, you know, which today you go, you say viral. But in those days, I mean, you know, we used to call it word of mouth. So, so that's how it spreads. But I don't know whether I've gone off the rail. No, not at all. And it's funny to hear you say it takes about three to five years to get into somebody's head because talking to people, and I know we had a chat about this in India about freelancing and consulting. I, I think for people who want to become a freelancer or a consultant or set up their own business, but mm. who've also worked in this industry, it takes about three to five years for other people to see you as that. And initially they'll see you as someone who might be looking for a job or they'll see you in, in a whole bunch of other ways. And then I yeah. have a feeling it's around that third, fourth year where people are like, oh, okay, I, I see you. I see you now. So I want to stay on this project for a second. Do you have a sense of how many drawings you would have done to get to the oh my Martini class? Yeah. It could be anything from 30 to 50 Okay. to get through to you know, sometimes, and then that's not enough. You come back and you do some more. Mm-hmm. I remember even doing that overnight. And I remember David Abbott, you know, it was from Abbott Mead Vickers. He would come in the next day, you know, the, the whole team. I mean, I'm talking about like eight teams or 10 teams in his department, right? Everybody coming up with tons of ideas. Every team would be coming up with tons of ideas. And you just have to present it and show it. Because, you know, people like David, you know, you're more worried about getting it through him than actually the client, actually. Because by the time it gets through him, you know you've got on on the way to getting your ad produced. So 30 to 50 uh, drawings or tear sheets or sketches or scamps, that's overnight or is that over a week? Is that also while working on other projects? Yeah, sometimes you have about three accounts you're running or you're working on. You know, your team is working. So you've got head of art, right? Then you've got groups and each group might be, you know, so each group, say four teams in each group, if it's a big agency, what happens is that then you've got three or four things going on, but your, your team might only give you one thing at a time. And you might be given, if they're told that you've got your deadline is three weeks, you might be then told, all right, each team, you've only got one week on this or Maybe you've only got three days on it, but you've got to go out and just work them up, present it, and they'll do a short list. And then you go back again and then just keep going mm-hmm. till somebody's ad gets through. Or if there are three or four, they might pick one from this team, one from that team, whatever. But there's always a campaign feel. Mm-hmm. And I think today it's still the same thing, but I think today people do it a lot quicker. That seems to be the, the de- deadlines are much, much shorter now they are. because... And I don't know, since computers, it's like everybody thinks that you're just pressing a button. And I'm finding more and more the thinking time is taken away. It's almost the doing time is left. That's terrifying. And I'm sure agencies fight for that anyway. They'll have a bit more time. Yeah, well, I, I think the one thing that's increased, if thinking time, and I think doing, doing time has decreased, but the one thing that's increased is meeting time. I mean, there's more bureaucracy. There's more people managing each other. That's definitely there. At, at the same time, that the margins have gone down and the outputs have increased exponentially. You see these little reports coming from, I've seen a few of them from either industry organizations or independent agency networks where they look at the amount of output that agencies are, are having to do. And it's up, you know, two to threefold in the past few years. It's, it's intense. So yeah. keep with me on this BMW project. Did you typically do your sketches at your desk? Did you move around? Yes. Yeah. 
you know, at those days, we, we all get given our own rooms, you know, so that your writer, art director, each one has their own room. So you do do it at your desk. If, if it gets towards the evening, you take it home, you start to do some work from home, don't you? I mean, I, I think the passion has got to be there. And you're very much in competition with everybody else. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't crack it, it's going to another team. So you better crack it if you want your work out there. I think today, I, I hear people talking about how mother works and all that. It's collaborative. So they're all in a room, locked into a room, and everybody's sort of collaborating because they feel, you know, everyone is creative, everyone to do it. Maybe it works. I think I've seen work there that's come out that's pretty good. And then sometimes you come out and it's still pretty raw, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still has to be worked out. Uh, like all these ways of working, I, I think they're only partly to do with diversity and including different voices and hoping interesting ideas come from anywhere. I think they're mostly about people with a bias towards control wanting to watch people think. So you have to think in public, otherwise people are suspicious and they don't want to ch- they don't want to pay for it. And then the head hours thing comes into it. And then also sometimes with clients, like they're they're busy, but Sometimes it's nice to get out of the office for a few days and have an offsite and know that you're working on a six-month plan and you can take your vacations two or three times in that six months. And I just think there's all these things that are not about doing the thinking. Because if you wanted to do the thinking, you sit there and you go, how do we get good thinking out of people? And it's not usually 40 people in a room. (laughs) No, I have been in a 40 people in a room. Same. Yeah. Well, Well, they get put in little groups, don't they? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 which is uh, and, just and not how it works. <sighs> yeah, it's hard because always the, the one with the loudest voice gets, you know, and if people are slightly kind of pulled back a bit or it's not their job ever to sit and sort of crack out ideas like that, it makes it quite tough for them, even though they feel they should get involved or, you know. Or they get to watch, don't they? They get, they get a day out of the office and they yeah. have to put on the makes time sheets. Makes a change, yes. Can you remember the words on the brief for the BMW Martini idea? I tell you how um, this is. This is working with Robin White, and you say, "How does the brief come about?" I mean, we know that they, they want to sort of obviously up the quality of at that time because it's a German company, a German car. I think the line probably existed in America, the best driving machine, you know. And what happened was, before you even get to the strategy, Robin's big thing. Who he's he's the founder of uh, WCRS and he was a copywriter. He first made sure that he flew out to Germany to their factories to actually interrogate every single person on that factory floor, including your tea lady, just to make sure that he absolutely knew the product, probably better than the client and how it works. And then out of that, he'll devise what the briefs are, what's the best way of talking about this car, what's the best way of selling this? Because although we put, you know, we shot a load of ads, I mean, usually you a stunning car there, you know, so that's the desire, isn't it? So what's, you know, the thing that stands out on the page that looks stunning and you want that car, that's the desire bit. But then what's the persuasion to get you to buy that car? What's the one thing that's different from other cars? And that was his thing. He said he needed to get under the bonnet as such, to try and get to what is the one thing in this car that's going to do that. So that's how we used to work. So then between him and the strategist and all that, they'll, they'll create briefs and then go back to the client, get the clients to approve, 
and see if they buy into it. They might input something else they, because after all, they are marketeers. They, they should know their stuff. So they then collaborate and come to a brief that's all signed off by every single person in the company from top to bottom so everybody knows that that is that's it. That's your piece of paper. <laughs> then you go away and work on it. Take the brief and go and work on it. But your, your question is, what was the brief? So that's how it comes about. That's yeah. how they created a brief. Okay. So in that situation, you've got an existing brand idea or campaign idea. What, what were the words you used? At the, a beautiful driving machine or a... Yes, it was the ultimate driving machine. Yeah, there you go. So, so, so that existed. And then the particular execution, and for those yeah. who aren't familiar with these words, I use them in sloppy ways, which separating the idea from the execution. The execution of that was really to bring to life this difference in the... like. The competitor was four liter, which is bigger, 2,500. Yeah, like a four, four cylinder, two liter. They're both two liters. But oh, they're both two liters. Four cylinder, okay. and then one is like six cylinder. Right. And so you're just yeah. trying to take that feature exactly. and find We're a better. We're so much smoother as a yeah. car. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So the smoothness is yeah. the idea in the brief, or the, this is the strategy in that. That's very cool. That's very cool. How can somebody get good at visual ideas? I don't know. You just, uh, you've got to go through as many annuals as possible. Look at what great ads are about. I think that's a good way of learning. Learn from the best. So if those entered into DNA D books and, and even go into the archives and look at them, look at all these ads, look at how they're done, how to, and that helps you see how people think because they were great campaigns, you know? Because usually they bring it down to really simple, simple thinking, simple thoughts, and they boil it down so that it's not complicated and then people don't get it. So it's the simplicity of these ads. And then the visual side, you can see there are some amazing, amazing uh, people like George Lois, you know, fantastic work. And uh, look at his um, covers of magazines that he's designed. I mean, again, hardly any words on there, but the picture says everything. Mm-hmm. So even if you're not writing words from, a, from an art director's point of view, you can learn how to pull together a very f- strong visual that has a message. I think Helmut Krohn always says, if you look at an ad, if you like it, take the logo off. And once you've taken the logo off, do you still like the ad? And if you still like the ad, then it's not new. It's something you've seen before. So there's so much stuff out there today. I think that copies everybody. Put your hand over the logo. You actually don't know who it's for. Mm. And I always think that that's not a very good ad, if that's the case, because you're not telling me why. Earlier, you mentioned the phrase, it says it all in one picture. So I'm going I'm to push your brain a little bit. This might hurt, but it might not. If you moved into a house, a new house tomorrow, and it had space for three pictures to put up on the walls, yeah. and you had, you had to put up pictures that say it all in one picture, mm. what are you putting up? Okay. I'm thinking of, um, if it's art, then I quite like, uh, well, I mean, you know, Benson and Hedges, silk cut, right? When Paul Arden was doing silk cut, they, just to get the word silk cut across, the first images they showed was a slash across a piece of silk. All right, I know you call that simple, but it was so powerful and simple that that came across as a strong idea. It doesn't have to be anything too complicated. It's just, what is it you're trying to say? And that says it. 
Damien Hirst. Okay, another one. Damien Hirst. All his ideas got interesting titles, and they're really, really interesting, aren't they? Have you, have, you know his stuff, didn't you? Mm-hmm. And again, his idea is that the shark in the tank, it's sort of death of the mind of someone living. He's got this shark with its mouth open. So I just think the juxtaposition of the line in the picture of, of, the, of the piece of exhibition, uh, the art, together makes something even stronger than what you expect, because otherwise it's just the shark sitting in a formaldehyde. It just says a lot, lot more. Yeah, it's like a, it's a lateral thought. It's two things that yeah. don't usually belong together that when you clash them together, kind of makes a weird, bizarre sense that you can no longer unthink. That just becomes part of who you are and how you see the world now. It's, that's the, mm-hmm. definitely the power of art. From what I understand, you have children in the industry. Is this true? Yes. Yes, I've got my son and my daughter. My daughter is the older one. And they're actually working as a team at the moment at an agency called Oliver. Mm-hmm. I have two final questions and I'm kind of curious about the family dynamic. What is the best piece of advice you've given your children about working in advertising? Well, being passionate, I think you won't get anywhere. I mean, you've got to put in your time and effort Mm. and it doesn't matter if you have to stay till late. If you really love something, you'll crack it. You'll try and stay late and actually do it. It's not a case of, oh, you know, I, it's only kind of, it's not a nine to five job, that's for sure. Mm. You know, you're at it all hours. It could be weekends. You might not even have a very good social life, but if you want it, you can have it. And then what's one thing you've learned from them about the advertising industry? Well, the, the now, what's happened, I think there's less and less time to do anything. Really, I, I think I've learned from them that I think, You've got to work so fast now. Totally different way of working. I think people spend a lot of time just trawling on the internet now because they don't go out and find out things anymore. You don't, people like Tony Brignall, your Paul Ardens and all that, they actually went out and then actually did a lot of homework before they even started on the ads. Creativity sort of comes almost after. So you did a lot of homework beforehand, but now, you know, you're expected to just turn it around, turn it around. Come on, let's turn it around. I, I, don't, I don't know how much thinking goes into the way it's going nowadays. You know, sometimes I wonder if the strategy is there mm. before they even begin, or they think they do have a strategy, but I just wondered, are really people thinking of what the business problem is? You know, what problem are you really, really solving here? I don't know if that's missing. No, it's not. I mean, there are five or six common briefs that that I hear about, and they're this. We need to increase awareness. We need to increase consideration. We need to increase relevance. We need to increase conversion. We need to get famous. We need 10 million people to see this. That's kind of most briefs. And those are not thinking briefs. They're just dull and robotic. And look, they're important concepts, maybe, but they are, but they're kind of, there's nothing there. No, because, hang on, why wouldn't you want it to be? Oh, that's that's exactly what I say. Why wouldn't you want it to do all those things? Of yeah. course. That, that comes with it. I mean, honestly, it's like, that's your hygiene factor. For God's sakes, it's no. got to be there. What, what's, what's the actual business problem? I mean, David Abbott sits in a room. The first thing he does is, although he, not that he doesn't trust his strategists or planners or account people in the room taking a brief. He sits there and he actually watches a client. He watches a client so closely to see what their body language is, 
because he's trying so hard as a creative to just get down to what is the business problem we're trying to solve here. And until we know what we're solving, creativity or doing any ads or, or anything at all comes way, way, way down the line. You know, what is it we're solving here first? Then once we crack that and we know what the strategy is, then they can go away and think about it mm. and actually dramatize it. Yes, you're not going to get any argument from me. Uh, <laughs> I, I really appreciate you giving me some context or giving us some context into art direction today for what it's worth. I'm advocating for the art in art direction, the conceptual thinking in art direction, and to separate that from simply look and feel and mood boards, which are important, but they don't come first. And to then also separate that from laying things out or, or designing things, which is a simpleton's way of using the word design. I don't mean to disrespect that craft either, but I, I hope that whether or not people do visual work, that they explore visual ideas because it makes you a better communicator in all aspects of your life. Yeah. Seriously, I think that's right. Yeah. So uh, I just wanted to get my agenda out there. Thank you for letting me <laughs> use you to try to achieve this agenda here, Kathy. Thank you. Where can people find you on the internet? Actually, my, my website is uh, com. So it's spelt with a C for Kathy. Awesome. Well, look forward to seeing the work that you're going to be doing this year. And uh, thank you so much for joining me today on Sweathead. Well, thank you. Thank you, Mark. Mm -hmm. Great, thank you. Peace.